0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this
1: morning. Thank you, listening friends, for tuning in to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I welcome you on behalf of Elder David Wise, my partner in this ministerial effort to declare the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank you as listeners, and I want to thank WLZA 96.1 FM for being the venue to host this broadcast. We hope that you'll decide to tune back in with us again Sunday by Sunday. It is our great privilege to do so. Now... We uh, want you to visit our churches. Churches in the area are Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road near Ackerman, Mississippi. In Mabon, Mississippi, you'll find Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 55 Tahoe Road, Mabon, Mississippi. They meet every second and fourth Sunday. They're without a pastor right now, but they are blessed with a steady uh, pulpit supply of visiting brethren who are sound and uh, we invite you to go and worship every second and fourth sunday at 10:30 a.m. with clear springs primitive baptist church in Maven. and we also want you to visit us at 40283 wolf road in caledonia mississippi that's sulfur springs primitive baptist church our churches meet together every wednesday evening uh, on the grounds of New Covenant Church, that's located at 200 West Garrard Road, that's G-A-R-R-A-R-D, West Garrard Road in Starkville. We meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, and we invite you to come and worship the Lord with us. Also, go to our website, gospel of com, and let us know that you're listening, and take advantage of the resources offered there. Today, we are continuing with an installment on a series of messages Titled King Saul, A Cautionary Tale. And after this wonderful hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
2: Find ourselves in need, and we do the Father plea, For He is our friend indeed, and He cares. You'll be watching over us when we're sleeping in the dust, and you'll come again for us, for He cares.
1: Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. Again, I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm opening my Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 13 in the Old Testament. We're carrying on with a series of messages regarding King Saul, a cautionary tale. Now, as I speak to you today as believers in Jesus Christ, just know that it's only a cautionary tale for us because these are errors that we can, as children of God, even born again children of God, we can enter into. We can descend into great uh, wickedness and Ignorance and darkness from time to time. I'd love to say it's not possible, but yet everything in my own personal experience and what I read in scripture tells me that such darkness in my life is possible. So therefore, we want to do everything we can to avoid it. Uh, If this was not a cautionary tale for us as born again children of God, then this series of messages would be nothing more than just an opportunity to beat up on an old dead king. But thank God, we know these things that are written in the word of God are written for our learning, uh, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we go to 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're going to look at one of the early errors in the kingship of King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning reading in verse five, and the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand, which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmash eastward from beth When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead, which means some of the Israelites went over to the other side. They went over to the Philistines. All right, resuming. And some, of the Hill, and some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel, remember Samuel is the prophet, but he's also the priest. Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal And the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. So what's happening here? Saul is starting to get greatly distressed and nervous. Why? Because the people are so distressed and nervous. And not only those who have already run and hidden, those who have already uh, apostatized, as it were, and gone over to the Philistines, uh, those soldiers that were with him now were beginning to leave, were beginning to go AWOL, so to speak, uh, why? Because they tarried, they waited. Samuel had said he was going to be there at a certain time and uh, he was not there in the time that Saul thought he should be there. And so Saul now is taking upon himself. And remember now Saul is king, but he is not a priest. He has no authority to serve in the priesthood or to exercise in the sacrifices and in the offerings that a priest is authorized to do. So here he says, uh, bring this unto me. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me and that thou camest not within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Oh, he's full of excuses. What's Saul's great error here? Uh, error that we, children of God, need to be very careful not to emulate. Saul made up his own mind out of desperation. He didn't repent over it. No, he just carried on saying that, you know, I don't need to respect God's distinctions between the kingship and the priesthood. But friends, that's a very grave error. The only king priest we see in scripture is Jesus Christ and Melchizedek, who was a type of Jesus Christ. So it's obvious for us to see the only king priest uh, spoken of in scripture is either Christ or a type of Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at a prophecy regarding a king priest and it's regarding our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who both has the right of the lineage of the father. He is regal and he is royal and he is our king. He is our sovereign. He hath dominion over us. But yet this same uh, person, this same God man, Jesus Christ also has the right to be the sacrifice and to offer the sacrifice unto the offended father. Thanks be unto God we have such a Lord and savior. So let's go to Zechariah chapter six. We see a prophecy there regarding the Lord Jesus Christ. Then take silver and gold. This is Zechariah chapter six, verse 11. Then take silver and gold and make crowns and set them upon the head of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Joshua, again, was the high priest during this time of the captive Israelites who had been released to go back and to rebuild the temple complex. And speak unto him saying, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, behold the man whose name is the branch. And now my King James translation, branch there is capitalized, all caps, whose name is the branch. And he shall grow up out of his place and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall bear the glory and he shall sit and rule upon his throne. Now who sits and rules upon the throne? a king and he shall be priest upon his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. So here, this prophesied one, it is said that he's both king and priest and in being both king and priest simultaneously, the council of peace shall be between them both. There's no disparity. There's no rub there as it was in the day of King Saul. Saul was king, but he was not priest. Uh, Samuel was priest, but he was not king. However, found in the Lord Jesus Christ is both king and priest and perfectly peaceful between the both. Now, we look at Hebrews chapter eight. We're gonna read verses one through six because a lot of people get the misconception that, well, Jesus Christ is going to come back to earth one day and he is going to be seated as both king and priest upon the earth here prior to us going to heaven. Some people say there will be a 1,000 year millennial reign and Jesus will sit upon the surface of this earth uh, though it may be a changed earth, he's going to sit upon this earth and he is going to serve as both king and priest. Well, I want to tell you, if we compare scripture with scripture and we believe what scripture says about Christ, then there's no way that could be, okay? We go to Hebrews chapter eight, verses one through six, and I think we'll see a clearer picture of when this uh, council of peace uh, real is realized. Is it now? Is it sometime in the future? Is it sometime in the past? Well, let's look at what it says about Jesus and his right to an earthly priesthood. Hebrews chapter eight, verse one. Now the now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. Notice he said he's already in heaven as a priest. And I also want you to notice my friends, Paul wrote to Timothy in first Timothy chapter six, speaking of Jesus Christ said, who in his times will show who is the blessed and only potentate king of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality. You see, it was speaking of Jesus Christ as already being king in heaven. And now here we see uh, Paul, the writer to the Hebrews, I believe he was the writer to the Hebrews, telling them that he is seated right now at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, being our high priest, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Notice this. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest. Seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Friends, when is this temple rebuilt? When is the time of prophecy being fulfilled? When is it that Jesus sits both upon the throne as king and priest and the council of peace is between them both? Friends, we know it's right now in the New Testament church kingdom. He dwells and reigns in the hearts of his children. He is seated as our sovereign and he is also seated as our intercessor. He is both king and priest. He is the bishop and high priest of our souls. Uh, he is our great apostle. He is so many things to us and certainly he is already king and And priest, So we're not looking for him to come back and sit on the earth for a thousand years and do that sometime in the future. Why would he need to? He is that now. But see, that's very serious. When you're talking about the kingship and the priesthood of Jesus Christ, it was guarded. Uh, Melchizedek was the only one who was a type and shadow of that. And Jesus is the only one prophesied as the fulfillment of that. So how wrong it was of King Saul to seek to blur that line through his own desperate measure. You see, this is the very root of Saul's big problem with this error. Saul thought, you know, I can order things as well as the Lord can. He may not have verbalized it, but he certainly did it through his actions and through his mindset. And then he failed to repent. So he thought that he could order things as well as the Lord. And unfortunately, my friends, a lot of people today think, They can just make up whatever order they want. Order in the home, order in the church, uh, order in society. Order doesn't matter to the Lord. Yes, it does. Order matters to the Lord. Don't ever be deceived into thinking that order does not matter to our Lord. Now, let's look at a a few ways in which we are to respect the order of God, and we've been commanded so in the word of God. Notice regarding sacred order. What am I talking about? Things regarding his worship, the things of his church. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13, when they went to actually try to get the Ark of the Covenant again and bring it to Jerusalem, uh, David warned them not to do it the way they did it last time. He said, the last time when Uzzah was struck dead, we did things wrong. Notice in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirteen, for because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. Is order serious to God? Uh, If you could uh, ask Uzzah right now, he would certainly tell you that it is. Uh, David feared God that day because he saw how jealously the Lord defended uh, his order and uh, how badly he hates confusion and man rebelling against him and trying to set the order of things himself. Now notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the words there, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So see friends, if you have some confusion in your church, then I guarantee you that did not come of the Lord. That is rooted and sprung up from man and his carnal nature. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. And here, one reason which he says this is because uh, some people would dare to uh, reject that order, to challenge that order. And some people still do that today in allowing women, uh, though, however intelligent they may be, however and minded they may be, yet they challenge the order that God has established in the New Testament church uh, by thinking that it's perfectly acceptable for women to take a lead role in the teaching ministry in the church. However, the apostle Paul uh, disabused us of any of those notions. After he said, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints, He says, "'Let your women keep silence in the churches, "'for it is not permitted unto them to speak. "'But they are commanded to be under obedience, "'as also saith the law. "'And if they will learn anything, "'let them ask their husbands at home.' He said here, the order in the church should be emulative of the order that I've established in the home, that the husband is the head and the wife is reverencing the husband, is very special to the husband, is guarded by the husband, but yet at the same time, there is an order there. And he said, this should be the same way in the church. Why? Not because some man like myself has deemed it to be so, but God himself has commanded it through this inspired prophet. Uh, the aspired apostle, the Lord and uh, the—I'm sorry—the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ spoke this through the apostle Paul. He said, "For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only?" What is he asking here? He's saying, if you're going to challenge the order of God, in other words, you're saying the word of God is just something that you can speak, that any man can say. You know, this is the way it ought to be. So therefore, this word, this authoritative word, I'm usurping the authority of God, and I'm telling you, it's all right. No, the apostle Paul asked the rhetorical question, what, came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? What's he saying? If This word is not yours to just do with as you will. It has been given to you, uh, inspired and preserved by the hand of God. And then in verse 40, he goes on to say, "'Let all things be done decently and in order.'" Notice God respects order regarding timeliness or when we make decisions in our life and the times that we do things in our lives. Notice in Psalms 102, verse 13, he said, "'Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion.'" For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. Who do you think set that time? Well, God set that time. Notice in Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verses four through seven, it speaks of the wisdom of wise men. He says, where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. That means no bad thing shall befall him. If he keepeth the commandment of the king, respects the order of the king, the authority of the king, I carry on with scripture, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. In other words, what he's teaching here is what he's taught elsewhere in the book of Ecclesiastes, that there is a time for appropriate time for some things and appropriate time for other things. And a wise man will pray and seek to discern both time and judgment. He gets goes on in verse six, because to every purpose there is time and judgment. Therefore the misery of man is great upon him for he knoweth not that which shall be for who can tell him when it shall be. Why does he say therefore the misery of man is great upon him? He's speaking of men who want to usurp the authority and the timeliness of the Lord. They wanna take things upon themselves. And what happens, it causes confusion in their lives. You know, friends, there is a time for you to enjoy uh, the pleasures of the marital bed and it's not until after the vows are exchanged. Now, friends, there is a time for you to discipline your children and it is when they are young. Uh, not waiting until they're old and saying, oh, I'll just appeal to their reason. No, my friends, by that time, it is far too late. Uh, the man that spareth the rod hateth his son. Uh, you see, so there is a timeliness in the word of God in many respects. You know, God is not the author of confusion regarding our life decisions. He's commanded us to order in that as well. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, they were making some bad life choices in the church. They were going to law one against another. In other words, one church member was suing another church member rather than mediating it within the church. Among spiritually minded brethren seeking the counsel and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, they were going to uh, civil, civic magistrates. And this was just Uh, This is just obnoxious. They shouldn't have been doing this. And Paul wrote to them in 1 Corinthians 6, 1, says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? He's saying there's a right way to do things, friends, in your life. And you need to seek the word of God to find that out. Notice in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13, he commands you and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. What's he saying there? There's a right way and a wrong way to do things. There's a right way to go and there's a wrong way to go. Here it's S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, means make a straight line. In other words, don't be varying and being blown about with every wind of doctrine and the and cunning craftiness of men. You set your eyes upon the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you follow him. But notice in that Sermon on the Mount, he talked about there's a straight gate and a narrow way. That's S-T-R-A-I-T, which means there's a very disciplined, narrow way in which we should walk. Not only is it S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T straight, it is also S-T-R-A-I-T straight. So friends, anybody who thinks, well, you know, nobody can judge me, but God, uh, well, let me tell you something, in a sense, that's true, but God has already judged certain things in this world, evil and right and righteous, and he's given you that in his word. He gives you that preached from the pulpit, and therefore, you should walk in those ways and not just live willy-nilly any way that you think is right, because those are the ways unto death according to the word of God. There is, uh, God despises confusion in marriage. Oh, friends, not even going to get into all this foolishness lately of sodomites marrying, of men marrying men and women marrying women. And I say marrying, uh, with air quotes because it's, there's no marriage there. That's an abomination. God is who has established marriage in this world and he established that marriage between one man and one woman, period. And you can say that you're an enlightened Christian all you want and deny that, but that doesn't make you an enlightened Christian. That makes you a rebellious Christian and you need to repent. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, "'Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers.'" So here he's giving rule regarding marriage in this context. It is uh, that a, a believer in Christ should not seek out to marry an unbeliever in Jesus Christ. He said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness. So friends, we see that God commands us to order. We're not just supposed to make things up like King Saul did and get desperate and say, well, I think. Let me tell you something. If if you get to saying, I think, then you need to be very careful that you take whatever you think and you compare it to the word of God because thanks be unto the Lord. He has given us what we need. As it's worded in Psalm 119 verses nine through 11 The question is asked, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How is he going to know the right way? How is he uh, not going to fly off the handle? How is he not going to go renegade and get off the reservation? How is it that a man is going to stay in a clean path following the Lord and reaping the benefits thereof? He said, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart. To what end? Just to impress people with how you can quote scripture? No, we memorize and learn scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Friends, let's have the spirit of devotion to the word of God that Martin Luther did so many years ago. Uh, The papacy early opposed uh, Luther's theses against indulgences and and many other things that he wrote about uh, trying to teach grace and get out from under the bondage of works. He was an Augustinian monk and a university professor and in 1521, a diet, a formal assembly of the empire was formed, presided over by Emperor Charles V and was called in the city of Worms to consider all these works and the words of Martin Luther. Luther refused to recant his writings. Why? Because he saw them in accord with the word of God. Notice his wording, quote, unless I'm convicted by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me, amen. Friends, under the sound of my voice today, God help you and God help me, amen, to be captivated by the word of God, and use it in our lives and not usurp his authority and not challenge his order, but line our lives up according to the word of God and not try to rest and shatter it and fracture it by trying to force it into the sorry mold of our own preconceived notions and our own faulty decisions. Until we're able to speak to you again on such noble subjects, I pray the Lord especially bless you
2: all.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a primitive Baptist church in your community. To find a primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.